And this is JoJo. And this is Claro Que Ya podcast. Ah! And we finally are recording again. You guys have no idea how many times we have to record and then our episodes delete and then we have to re-record again. So this is our second time recording. Recording this episode. Recording this episode, yes. Because we have a special guest. We have a special guest with us today. We have... My brother-in-law. Yes, Jay's brother, Joanna's brother-in-law, Richie. Yay! (laughs) What up, Gus? What's up? What's happening? So, today... So, we had... Originally, um, Joanna had asked Richie to come on to the podcast because, you know, we wanted to ask him questions about growing up in Washington Heights, then, you know, growing up, moving um, to Spanish Harlem when he got a little bit older. And Well, we- I wanted to be nosy and ask him questions because he got locked up and was away for 22 years. Yes, yes. So she also wants to ask him stuff like that, too. So, <laughs> um. So, yeah, so, uh, Richie, welcome back. We're going to... Introduce yourself again. Yes, introduce yourself again. Like, they never... Obviously, they didn't hear the other episode, so just introduce yourself, and we'll go from there. Uh, I don't think no introduction is needed, but uh, for those (laughs) that don't know me, uh, I'm Rich. uh, Just finished coming home after doing 22 years, and I'm here enjoying my freedom. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> We're just yeah. People are gonna be like, what for what what what, what, what type of charge? We're gonna we're gonna get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. I mean we won't we'll, get into details. Obviously. But we'll ask about the whole experience. Yes, yes. So uh um Joe, how about you? Do you want start to start? Off? Yeah, we're going to just go straight into it, straight into the questions. All right. Richie. Yes. Let's talk about your childhood. What about it? Was it good? Did you enjoy it? Was it bad? Was it, it was all great. right? It was great. I had a caring mom, a caring dad, a two-parent household. Uh, What's your favorite part about growing up? Playing baseball. What's your favorite memory? My favorite memory? was my mom used to play baseball and my dad used to play baseball too and one time we was at a park and my mom was sitting around driving caught my dad on mm. one of the shins <laughs> <laughs> yes she did look at her look at her so you guys get so because jay plays too so you guys get your baseball talent from caridad from somebody <laughs> <laughs> who's a better player caridad or your dad uh, mm. I, I played fifth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Richie, what park did you guys used to go to? Uh, we played at Riverside Park, and we used to play at Inwood Park. Mm, okay. All right. Could now, oh, go ahead. I have one question. So, I was listening to another podcast earlier this week, and this girl asked another girl, what is your regret from childhood, I would say? And childhood. Yeah, and I'm like, from childhood? And you know what? The girl, she was like, oh, I regret missing out on um, family parties. Oh, I saw that clip. And I was like, Wow, and the way she said explained it was like, oh, you know, she didn't I just reg- she said it wasn't a regret. It was more like that she didn't missed out how important it was. Yeah, because obviously she didn't hang out with her family, and now half of that family is gone. You know, whatever. So, I want to ask you: is is there something that maybe you, not that you regret, but that you miss, that you felt like was an opportunity back when you were a kid or a teenager that you should have been like, oh damn, I should have done that. If that makes sense, that question. Absolutely. Like, if I would have never chosen the life that I did, I would have probably been in the majors right now. Like, I was that good. Oh, wow. Okay. I was. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. I've never seen you play. All right. So let me tell you a story, right? So Jay, Jay grew up playing in RBI, and I was supposed to grow up in RBI. I got kicked out of RBI because I kept on breaking car windows every time I <laughs> Jay will tell you. 
That's fact. That's a fact. Jay will tell you. Mom will tell you. Yeah. So that kind of was a W downer for me. And I was like, all right, fuck it. If I can't play baseball, then, you know, I'm going I'm to run the streets. So you ran the streets. So I ran the streets. So that's okay. So tell us how was it growing up in the Heights and then transitioning <laughs> to <coughs> Spanish Harlem. You okay, Joe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we well, just finished eating. That's oh. and, and I've been screaming all afternoon. We just so, came back from Axel's uh, baseball game. So I'm a little hoarse. Oh, okay. Oh, afternoon because of the game or because of work? Because of the game. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think like all my best memories are from living in Inwood Heights. Like yeah. I said, it was a tight knit community. The, the the elders had the authority that if they caught you out of line, uh, you know, put hands and feet on you and. They go tell your parents, and your parents will put hands and feet on you. But those are those are some of my favorite memories. Like I felt that I was really surrounded by family, and leaving there happened so sudden. Like I wasn't even able to say goodbye to my friends. Yes, you know, yeah. it was one day we was there, and the next day we was gone. And it was never explained to you. It, it was explained to me when I, when I was older, after I was already incarcerated, it was explained to me. Like, I thought that that was one of the issues that I needed to address with my parents. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so I have a question. Were your parents, like, strict with you? Like, were you... Because as of now, like, knowing you later in life, I feel like you're, like, this rebellious... Like, you have a demeanor that says you used to be rebellious. Were you always rebellious as a kid? And were your parents strict about it? All right, my dad. My dad was very, very strict, old time. Like that, things got to be in his in his way, or he's putting hands and feet on you. Or uh, not hands and feet. Yeah, hands and feet, or, or a belt, or a stick, whatever. Or whatever he he got to say something. But I don't feel that I was rebellious, right? But I thought that I was angry because. I didn't know nobody in, in, in the neighborhood where, where we moved to. Like, all my family, all my friends lived in Inwood Heights, and I had that anger in me. But at the time, I was young, and I, and I didn't understand that there was a reason behind us moving, and that was that finances weren't what they were supposed to be, and we couldn't afford to stay where we were at. Wow. You think they did it, like, it felt like they did it on purpose, like, they left because you, like, they did something against you? No, so, I don't think that it was something against me. You know, I don't think it was me, per se. I mean, you're the middle child. You think everything's about you. What? (laughs) Absolutely not. Everything is about me. Absolutely not. Right, uh... But I was angry at the fact that, you know, I'm in a new neighborhood, don't know nobody. All my friends live by our... How old were you? I was like 12, 13 we moved. Yeah, that takes, that's intense years. Mm-hmm. Because that's already when you're, like, starting to, like, understand everything. You're You're getting older. And, like, that's, like, the age where you're developing all these relationships or trying to. Yeah. hmm No? Yeah. Did yeah, you go... Wait, that. did you skip school a lot at that age when you were... Absolutely. Already? Because <laughs> you're young. Right. You said you, you left at, like, 12, 13. Yeah, so you already started? Already. I started when I was in seventh grade. Like, consistently? Consistently. Bro. Oh, man. Consistently. I was kissing girls in the staircase and all that. Damn. <laughs> the school, like. uh, not the Move staircase. Fast. What happened? I said not the staircase. Yeah, right in the stage, right in the school staircase. Current classes. I don't want to go to homeroom. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Absolutely not. They they knew when they got that little car. <gasps> <laughs> 
Richie. I started skipping school when I was 13, but it wasn't consistently. It was like once in the blue when I didn't nah, want to class. With me, it was consistent. I'm just glad I was able to get through high school and I graduated high school. You did? I did. <laughs> I did. Dang. Well, I'm a goody two-shoes because I never cut school. You're such a goddamn liar. I swear. Nah. Um, oh. Joe, do you know who my mother is? Norma, yes. And uh, yeah. No, Jess. The first yes. time I skipped school, we went to St. Mary's, and I thought I was so bad because I was in a cigarette and we was just chilling in the park, and I was like, "Oh, this is the life." Until your mother got that phone call, and then I got the. Phone. So, were you smoking a cigarette or were you just pulling a cigarette? I was pulling a cigarette. <laughs> it was lit. It was lit, but I don't think I was like. She was just like she was. She was living her. She was living her Sandy moment from Greece. Like, oh, you know, I got a cigarette. You look cute. No, no, no. (laughs) Okay, so you're 13. You skip the school. You guys move from one neighborhood to another. So how do you get in the life that you was in? So. I met my my dudes. Okay, so you know, who your dudes I, I, was? How y'all met? I met my dudes. Uh, it's crazy how we met, but these are these are some of my best friends to this day. Uh, I got jumped in the, in the elevator. <laughs> Every time, I get, like damn. Because I stepped on one of their sneakers, brand new, all white uptowns. Uh, oh gosh. I got jumped in the elevator and I grabbed one of them and I started beating the shit out of them. I said, look, they're going to beat me up, but I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And I got jumped. I took it in the hop, went, cleaned myself up. And then the following day, I went downstairs. There was a basketball court right right next to the building. So I went down to go to the basketball court and smoke a blunt. And they were out there. And... One of them was like, yo, you smoke? I was like, yeah. He's like, yo, you want to smoke a blunt with us? And we all started smoking. And it's, it's been on ever since. You know, I feel like, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong, Richie. I don't know. But I feel like sometimes when some, I would say like a person gets jumped or like, obviously you went like you got jumped and then you accepted it you know you obviously got back up and you were like okay I got jumped and you were totally fine they find they probably saw like oh they respected you too right like oh okay he's here smoking and shit he cool let's get to know him or something (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that was the case it was more the fact like uh, he's not a pushover so one of my problems is that I used to always get into fights in school. Why? Why do you think that? Because for some reason, everybody finds me intimidated. Strong personality. Strong. We'll say strong yeah, personality. Strong, strong personality. <clears throat> but they never take the time out. They never take the time out to know me. They just. Cause you're a real big softy. Watch your mouth. <laughs> you're a real big softy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that that was always my my situation, you know. Like I fought whether whether it was my sister, my sister found herself in some situations. I ended up fighting. She ended up fighting for me a whole bunch of times too. Did she really? Yeah, that's my twin. I love my sister to death. That's, that's my great. twin. Damn. You know, so I already knew, like like when I moved down to Spanish Harlem, I already knew how to defend myself. Yeah. You know, you know what's crazy that there's a saying if you don't never get into a fight with your brother, then you're not really brothers. And is it what do you mean? Like, who, like Jay or your friends? Like, we, we're your friends. Oh, like you seen you seen Jay size, I will never fight him. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Joanna never fought, we never fought, but. Mm. No. Yeah, we argue. We we argue. We have disagreements, but we yeah. don't. That doesn't apply to females. I don't. I don't Why? Know. I, mean, I, I oh. be telling. What'd you be telling me? I be telling you, you when you. What do I tell you? Yeah, I don't know what you tell me, Jess. You play with fire. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. I be like, you gotta stop. 
and everything. She'd that- be like, oh, I'm going to pop off. I'm going to pop off. I'm yeah. like, you're playing with fire. Yeah. Oh, you're a firecracker, huh, Jess? No, not me, nah. her. Oh, but Joe's but never had a fight in her life. You don't know my life. <laughs> you know what, though, Richie? I've never had a fight in my life either. Really? I swear. I swear. That's good, though. And not even because I feel like I've had arguments with people, but I feel like I hold myself a little back because I'm like, ooh, I know something that could really hurt you and make you like cry and rethink something, but I'm not going to throw that at you because I'm just not that type of person. I feel like I've done that to Joe before, though. What'd you do? I feel like I've told you stuff that I'm like, I know it's going to hurt her feelings. Oh, you have. And I don't care. Yeah. But but it's like, I know to tell her that because I know she'll just be like, okay. So let me ask you a question. When you when you tell her stuff that's going to hurt her feelings, is it? are you telling her truth or are you just saying stuff? No, just she's telling her? me truth. No, I'm telling her the truth. So then you're a good friend. Yeah. yeah. And that's why we've, I tell her all the time she's my soulmate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to Richie. Let's we like off on a tangent. Right. I don't even know where we left <laughs> off. Okay. So, so you turn up, you find your click, you find your gang, whatever it is, right? Uh-huh. How you get in trouble? The first time. The first time. Okay, let's talk about the first so, time because was, and how old were you? I was sixteen. And sixteen. Running was, the streets. I was already I was already hustling. I was already getting paper and one of my boys I'm walking with him down Park Avenue and he just decides to snatch an old lady's purse. Out of the blue, just out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I see him take off running and I chase him and some paramedics, we were by a hospital uh, some paramedics just pulled up on us and snatches up, <laughs> held us down to the cops game. You know, and me being loyal, like, I held that down, like, fuck it, you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. I'm not going to tell on them. So they got you, and then they didn't get him. No, they got both of us. Oh, they did? Yeah, they got both of us. I thought you took the fall. Nah, they got both of us. And how much time you you, you did for that? Uh, I did I did a couple of months in Rikers Island, and then they gave me a while. And... and at 16 years old, let's get to, okay, at 16 years old. <laughs> you, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why? Oh, hold on. You got a couple of months for doing that? Yeah, five years. Pro- I got. I did six months, five years probation. Wow! Just for snatching a purse? Yes. Well, that's crazy. Did the lady get hurt? Nah. Not- okay. All right. So you're 16 years old. They send you uh-huh. to Rikers. Cause we hear horror stories. They true. They're true. They are okay, so true. like, what's the mindset that you go in with? Like, how are you feeling? Do you All become right. somebody's bitch to like? Oh my God, Joanna! Chill with somebody. that. Chill. Relax. Relax. Because she always so, wants to know about that. I want to know about that. I'm just asking the questions people want to know. Like, I like said, what's happened? Uh, so, back then, cameras weren't in abundance in Rikers Island. There was, no and they camera. are now. You think? There's cameras everywhere. Okay. Uh, there was no cameras at all. All right. So uh, you could do whatever the so fuck y'all wanted. Did whatever the fuck they wanted, and you know, uh, I'm not I'm not the biggest dude in the world. We know. So dudes kept on trying me, right? Because they thought you was pussy, and I kept on showing. <laughs> kept, Yo, kept, Joanna. I kept I kept on showing them. Uh-huh. You know, uh, so finally, uh, so gangbangers just fucking came and they was like, yo, like, you know, we feeling you. Like, what's up? Come join our clique. And so you joined, like, going into <sighs> prison, you are not part or involved in any gang or nothing. It's, not at all. It's in prison it's, is when you... It's in prison, uh... They, they 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 painted a pretty ass fucking picture. Yeah, what's the picture and, you they know, paint? They want to help the community. We gonna make get this money, and they 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 painted a pretty ass picture, right? It turns out that the picture they they painted, 
uh, after I got older, it's not the picture that I thought it would be. Okay. What's the picture looking like? Uh, the picture is that I'm not nobody's soldier. I'm not nobody's bitch. Uh, I'm not going to put in work for you. Like, I'm my own man. You know? And so... And that's the picture. That, that's all games. That they, they paint you a pretty picture, and then they use you. You know, I did some using myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not even gonna hold you up. Uh, I was into it. Like they became my life. I was into it for real. You know. And even, that didn't make you happy. Even even no, it didn't make me happy. It made me powerful. That's a hard like that's a powerful drug that's like you know what i'm saying even, even addictive drug even when i came home i would walk I, I would walk the streets at any given moment and i had a crew of 30 women wow you know i could go to any block and shut the block down you uh-huh. know so that 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 was the type of life i was living That's crazy. And that's at 16. You start that life. Yes. So you get out and how old are you when you get out the first time? Uh, I was still 16. And you out with this new gang, this clique, and you're running amok. Yes. And then you get your second charge. Right? Yes. And you're 19. And I'm 19. And what's going through your head when you when they pick you up? Right? Because what happens? So, because I know a little bit of the story because you did tell me before. So, All right, so, you make it back home. Like, they don't catch you right away. You make They make it home and they get you at the house. Yes, they get me at the house. So... In my mind, they take me to the precinct and they ask me a bunch of questions. They end up locking me up. Uh, in my mind, I'm I don't got nothing to do with this. So, I mean, being naive, not knowing what I know now, I said, "Fuck, it, let's let's take it to trial." Like, and sure enough, New York's like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, just because you didn't pull the trigger doesn't make you as mm-hmm. guilty as guilty as the person that pulled the trigger." And that's how I ended up doing 22. And how are your parents feeling and like doing in all of this? Because your dad's strict, your mom is your mom, and my dad was pissed off. Uh huh. Did he talk to you at all about anything? Yeah, nah, or was, he was always at, closed at, off. At that at that point, my my dad was like, you know, you're gonna have to eat that, like you know, uh, you're a grown ass man, right? And did he and did he understand it? Because I know that your dad, your parents, you know, are straight from DR uh-huh. Dominican Republic not knowing English uh-huh. really well and what are you saying he, like huh? he understand what was going on yeah like did he under, like did they understand like oh this is actually really serious what's happening you I, know absolutely I, like we, we sat down and talked but it wasn't until later on in my incarceration that my dad that my relationship with, with with my dad improved, you know. Like he realized, like yo, this ain't this ain't the little boy no more. Like this is a grown ass man, and, you know. Like we really sat down on the visiting floor when, after I got to prison in New York, and we really had a heart to heart. My pops was the type of person that during my whole incarceration, he never came on his own to come visit me. You know, my mom's had to drag him to come visit me. And after we had that heart to heart, like he started coming on his own. Like he'll tell my mom, like, yo, I'm going up north, like, I'm gonna go see Rich. He used to go by himself. And he'll, and he'll get there by himself. And my mom also set it up. It, it was door to door 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 to door service. He'll jump in a van and go directly come see me and go back home at the end of the visit. <clears throat> but it took a while for us to mend mend them that relationship. You know, because at the end of the day, like, I felt that he still saw me as a little boy. 
You know, like he, it, it was his way of the highway. So even after I was grown, mm-hmm. even after I was in prison, you know, uh, but his reaction was like, yo, you know what? After, after I got locked up, his reaction was like, you know what? I told you, eat that. Wow. So now talk about your experience going in for 22 years, like once they sentenced you and you. And so my sentence was just 22 to life. And uh, I felt there was no light at the, at the end of the tunnel. I got locked up during the Pataki era where everybody was getting induced. Right. And at the time, Pataki seemed like he had New York on lock. So you felt like you was never going to get out? I thought I was never going to come home. Especially having life at the end. Mm-mm. So you go in with the mentality that this is the rest of your life. You in it. Like, no way out. No way out. So do you keep your head down and like just try to go with Or are you just running amok I'm everywhere you are? Crazy. <laughs> what? No, I'm asking. I'm we got to go. We I'm, gotta know. I'm going to have every prison I touch. I, all maximum security prisons. I mean, the first month uh, after I got to Five Points Correctional Facility, I put a dude that him and I would be from since Rikers Island. I put him through a window Which, in, in, the, in the gym. I'm not going to lie. Like, when we lived with your mom uh-huh. and, like, we got a call. Or, I think the first time that I meet you and you had a black eye or something. Yeah. So like when you used to call, <laughs> when you used to call, and your mom would hang up, she'd be like, "But you got in a fight, and oh my god, and he's like he can't come to the phone or some shit like that." And I was like, yeah. "Oh my god!" Like, cause I've never met you, so I was uh-huh. like, "Oh my god, this fucking guy is a menace." Like, <laughs> it's like a good thing that he's not here right now. Like, we're just chill. This is a lot. Okay, and, I, and, I, and but I'm here now. How do you feel now? <laughs> I, I told you how I felt in the beginning. I thought uh-huh. like you coming here, it was like oh shit, because I have a strong personality and you have a strong personality. So I thought we were gonna butt heads like really bad. But again, I, like I said earlier, you're a teddy bear. Axel cries one time, and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, come here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought we were gonna butt heads. Because of all the stuff, all the phone calls I heard, and like, I didn't really know you. I met you twice before you moved here. See, I know. See? (laughs) Yeah. But I know better now. So, how. (laughs) Really? One of the conversations. So, in in the, um, the recording that we were doing before. I had asked you how was it how was it being there during COVID? And that really like was like, oh shit. Yeah, they don't give a fuck about any of y'all. And yeah, that- talk about the conditions of the thing, because at the end of the day it comes out to conditions and like it, it, it was horrible. So have you have you ever been to like a chicken factory? No one so you chicken don't have factory. Yes, yeah, so so a chicken factory you have I've been to a slaughterhouse right there in right. Mash. Have you ever been to a caged chicken farm? No. <laughs> what do you think we right. grew up? Listen, I live in the South now, but I don't go to no chicken farms. <laughs> All right. So in, in caged chicken farms, they keep the chickens like in cages right on top of each other. Yeah. Okay. A whole bunch of, you see rows upon rows upon rows. We forgot he's rows. American from the country. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how you. That's how you live in prison. Wow. That, overcrowded, that, no space. It's overcrowded, understaffed, and during COVID, uh, obviously we we're separated from the whole world. We we live like in a bubble, but the correction officers still come in and out of the facility. So they brought it into the facility, and it started spreading like wildfire inside the jail. Right. Uh. I had a few comrades that actually died from COVID because they went to medical and medical gave them some some Tylenol or ibuprofen, sent them back to their cells and said, yeah, you got a fever. If you survive the next 14 days, you'll be good. 
Wow. So they were they weren't administering any COVID tests to us. Uh, so they sell these bag this bag of chips called shebangs. Okay. Right. This is like an all season potato chip. So we used to get a bag of that and some Muslim oil. And if somebody was sick or sick or, or thought that they were sick, they'll eat us. <laughs> this was our test. Here, <laughs> eat this eat this chip. Do you taste it? Yeah, I can taste it. Because if you don't taste your bags, then you then fucked up, know. right? And then we'll grab some some Muslim oil and be like, uh, here, smell this. Can you smell it? And if they can smell it, then you know, you're good for now. Okay, so you have COVID running amok, right? No masks, no nothing. That's what I'm going to say. So do you guys take it into your own hands to create your own masks? Uh, we did. And the officers like, no, nah, you can't wear that. It's, it's, it's a face cover. So... COVID started in New York, February of 2020, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when we had the big outbreak break in New Rochelle. And as soon as that happened, it started coming into Sing Sing Correctional Facility. Because the correctional officers in Sing Sing live either in New Rochelle or White Plains. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started spreading in Sing Sing, and there was nothing that they could, they, they could do about it. You know, uh, we didn't get masks until the end of June, early July, somewhere around there. Damn. That's fucking bananas. <coughs> yeah, that's really crazy. That's crazy. So, COVID happens. We'll fast forward some. When do you go up for parole? The, the following year. Yeah? Yes. And how does that come about? Because you hear, like, I've heard you talk about parole before, and a lot of people go up for it, but not a lot come out. Not a lot of, not a lot come home. Mm-hmm. It all depends on the things that, you, that you've done during your incarceration. Like I said, in the, in the, the first in the, lost episode. In the lost episodes, uh, well, though I got in trouble while I was incarcerated, uh, I did manage to get a, a legal research certificate. Uh, I managed to get a, a certificate in humanitarian services. Uh, I got some college under me. I worked. I worked as, as a personal assistant to a to the psychiatrist at, at the facility, and so that was a lot of help. So that. That put you in like a better spot to be, hey, I've accomplished all this stuff. I am ready to go back into the real world, to society. Do yeah. do they give you like extra like classes while you're in there? Like to because at the end of the day, when you're up for parole, you're supposed to be like rehabilitated and whatnot. And do they provide any of those services while you're in there besides like the certificates and like the college and stuff like that? So when you get incarcerated, they tell you that you got to complete certain programs. Uh, one of them is going to be substance abuse, and the other one is going to be anger replacement therapy, right? Or anger management, right? Those are mandatory uh, unless you have, you know, some heinous crime, like, you know, if you rape somebody, then you got to take a sexual offender program, too. Those are mandatory because the state gets federal funding for those programs, Right? You gotta go to school if you don't have if you don't have your GED or high school diploma. You gotta go to school to retain a GED, and they'll provide you with a vocational trade. A vocational trade, the, the trades they 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 give you are so outdated that it's not even worth taking. For example, for example, they have classes like small engines, right? Where you work on engines. Yes, you learn how to work on engines. The problem is that the engines they have still have carburetors, right? There's no cars, cars don't come with carburetors anymore. So how is that gonna help me in the, in the real world? Can I be honest with you? I didn't even know cars have no carburetors. If you ask me, does your Dodge have a carburetor? I'd be like, yeah, go check it. Yeah. <laughs> carburetor is. Cars don't have carburetors anymore. Awesome. And now I'm good, thank you. You wanna so, yeah. be like, Joanna be like, yeah, I have that. 
another class, general business. You know, they show you how to run a business, right? Through on, on computers, it's like a computer class, mm-hmm. right? The problem with that is that they still use the Windows not five. No, but this is how outdated the vocational and training system and so the Department of Corrections is. Leaving, do you think like like looking? They have to do a whole, like a whole overhaul of like programming and stuff within the prison system. Absolutely, absolutely. If they really, if they really wanted to help somebody, then you give them the information that they need to survive in the real world. Like I came home from being incarcerated, and none of the skills that I learned translated to the real world. Wait, you're moving ahead, okay? Because <laughs> what I want to talk about when you get out, like the adjustment and stuff like that. Okay. But okay, so you go off for parole, right? Uh huh. You plead your case, whatever it is, the process. You go back to your cell, whatever. And you wait. How long do you wait? It took him a week to respond to me. How long? Is that normal? Like, how long does it usually take? It, it usually takes two days. Does it really? Yeah. So you thought you was not? I thought they forgot about me. <laughs> and one night, the... One day, the male lady who just walks by my cell, I said, oh, another day, no, no decision. This is exactly seven days later. <clears throat> no, no decision. All right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going home, but I'm walking on eggshells because I don't want to get into a situation where So I you lay shit. low. Absolutely. You lay low. Uh, Wait, but the gang that you were in and stuff, like in the circle you're running with, so you just cut it off completely? I've been. Okay. I, I've been left that life like in 2006 around there. All right. So that night before they do the count, the male lady comes back to my cell and brings this little skinny ass envelope. And you're she like, t- oh and shit. She, and she tells me, did you go to the parole board? I'm like, yeah. She's like, they let you go home. And I'm like, you going to my mail? She's like, nah. From my experience, the people that don't go home is the one with the thick envelopes. Yours don't weigh nothing when you're going <laughs> home. And sure enough, when I opened that envelope, the parole board had let me go. Your reaction to it? I started crying. You did? Like a bitch. Good. Not yeah. like you see the light. You see the light. What? Who's the first person you call? To tell them. My mom. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And what'd she say? She was happy. She cried? Yeah, yeah she did. Aww. Uh, But even then, even after I got my decision, I still had to wait four more months before I, before I was released. Yeah. Why? Why do they make you wait long? Like, if they already know that you're... It, it, it's so retarded. Like, the system, the system is so retarded. Like, it doesn't make no sense. If the parole board let me go, why would you keep on putting me at risk? Why would you keep me? Was it hard to like lay low and like not really? Because you weren't being social at that point. With at anybody. that point, yes. That, at that point, I, I I come out scarcely and use the phone for the most part. I stood I stood inside and you know read books, and watch TV. I have another question because we skipped over it and I forgot to ask it. What's up? Sex in prison. What about it? Well, what about it? You got to explain it because people are going to want to know what you do to get along. Could you go in? I don't think people want to know this. I, I want to know this. You want to know this. Calm you don't, don't want to get to know Palmela and Manuela. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. And then you get married and then you get. And then you get conjugal visit. But okay, t- so how do you meet somebody while you're in prison? How does that go? Well, you could either get hooked up by a friend or... Is that what happened? You got hooked up by a friend? No, nah, like, I've I known my wife since... I was home, like, since we were kids. You know, so... Yeah. We just ended Guys, up... Guys, ended- so you saying you get locked up, just use your hands. It's the same. <laughs> Oh my God! Not, you know that there's it's not um, the same. You know that there's um. You don't have no alternative. I mean, you have alternative. There's other bodies in there. You guys, the booty, you don't want to Joanna, 
do you know that there is um they have those prison pen pal websites oh they do were you a prison pen pal um, yeah no you no. were i can see look he's blushing yes no, you was no, no. of course he was just he was he's a... i've been seeing them i've been seeing like tiktoks like oh I'm at my prison, boo. And I'm like, <laughs> damn. I'm like, oh, okay. So this is what girls are doing now. Fuck Tinder. You know, forget all this other shit. It's prison boo website now. Well, well, look, look at the bright side, right? At least you know where he's at. Hello, that's all <laughs> Yeah. Fine. Yep. So we touched a face on that. You didn't give up the booty. You used your hands and you got married. Oh my God, Joanna. Our, what? Yes, me. Okay. Anyways, moving on. So now, okay, Richie, let's talk about you coming home now. Yes. And you having to now, it's kind of not, not a reality check, but like a, Okay, now now I have to get used to all these new things. Yeah. What's the year you go in? 1999. What's the year you come out? 2021. So when you went in, people were having computers. Like, was AOL a thing back then? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so you were used to, like, AOL, chat room, all that stuff. No. Because he was out in the streets. He had no time for computers. First of all, we couldn't afford a computer. Oh, okay. Computers were expensive back then, right? Okay. That's first of all, right? Second of all, I, I would have had, if we would have had a computer, I would have got my ass whipped, right, just for holding up the phone line. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. What was it, dial-up? Yeah. Yes, I remember that. Yes. My mom used to call the house, like when she, cause you know she used to leave us by. Uh huh. So when she called the house and it was busy, she would be so pissed. She would be yep. so pissed, and we didn't have any cell phones, like so it wasn't like she could just. All these uh, young people are probably like, "What?" What Richie is that? Beepers around that cell phone. Listen, listen. <laughs> our 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 chat rooms used to be CB radios. Oh. Okay. You sound like my grandpa, but okay. <laughs> no, 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 you're not done with that. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, continue. You go in <laughs> using these stupid, dumb radios. <laughs> Damn, stupid, dumb radios. So you okay. come out, what's, what's the first thing you have to get used to? I don't have nobody telling me what to do, when to do it. Nobody telling me what I gotta eat. I don't got nobody telling me I gotta take it and that was hard to get used to. It wasn't hard to get used to. It was hard getting. It was hard getting used to being free. Well, like I, I just finished spending twenty two years incarcerated. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say you probably have to get used to showering a lot, um, taking a shower by yourself. You take a shower by yourself in prison. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, like, oh, you watch too many movies. Jokes. No, I thought so too. I thought you uh, everything. No, so so you, you got wait, the wait, you take a shit by yourself too? You got your own cell. Okay. You got your cell. So you you do that. Option, you have the option of taking a shower. Well, let me not say that you that you shower by yourself, right? So if you're in the yard during the summertime, you can take you can take a shower in the yard. Or you can go to the bathhouse, which is like a community shower. But for the most part, you can just take a, a, a shower. Like they have cells that are that are showers, just the cell that they converted into a shower. You can just, you can just take a shower in the block. Mm. They'll let you out. You go in the shower. They lock you in the shower by yourself. You know what I'm saying? You take a shower. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> Joanna's like, oh, I didn't know you ship by um in your cell. I yeah. thought I could just be like, oh, I'm going to the bathroom. So the cells, right are, back. So the cells are a, a bathroom, really. Yeah. Literally got to sleep with your head by the toilet. You don't want to sleep with your head by the bars because somebody could come and cut your face off. God dang. Mm-hmm. Dead. Dang. Okay, wait. So you come out, right? We went off on another tangent. When you come out, what's the first meal you have? Steak. It's a steak. Texas <laughs> boat house. How does it... <laughs> <Phenomenal. laughs> 
And what's your first impression when you come to this house? Okay. Be honest. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, about I, what? I like this house. Okay. <laughs> I like this house. You know, I got a crazy stuff. I love it. <laughs> put you in a small room. <laughs> and they put me in a small room. Uh, first of all, you better relax yourself because that was my room before you got it. It was her room. She threw up on the mattress you first slept on. Oh, uh, that's what I smelled? <laughs> <laughs> threw up on that mattress. I, what is it in there now? Uh, is it is in the sunroom now, Jesse? For the next time you come up here, it's all you, boo. It's all you. You you and Al. <laughs> she threw up on it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you come out. You come to this crazy house. What's the hard part? Depending on people to take me where I needed to go. That was the hardest part. Why? Uh, because I was incarcerated. I'm home, and I gotta, I gotta stay in the crib and depend on somebody. I gotta depend on you or Jay to come home so y'all can take me where I needed to go. And that shit was fucking killing me. I mean, you were Ubering it for some time, for a little bit, I right? I was Uber, Ubering it for a long time. What you mean for some time? <laughs> for a long time, like Uber got all my money. Jessica. <laughs> I gave him I gave him one driving lesson. I don't know why you took a driving lesson from her. I gave him one driving I'll lesson. Drive and I was like, she no, you That's don't. what I'm saying. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, I gave him one driving lesson and I'm still Richie, how am I in the car with you? You don't press on the brakes no more. Sometimes. I don't because I got comfortable. Sometimes. But she in the like, beginning, in the beginning I did. Oh my God. <laughs> but that's just that's just who she is. She's not comfortable with anybody in the car. You're right. That's You're just, right. that's just her in general. Like she was hanging. I don't know when she when she came here to visit. I think I was driving her to the airport. I was driving her somewhere. We were driving somewhere, and I see her on the side, like holding on. And I'm like, "Why are you?" She's like, "That's just me. I just hold on." I'm like, "Okay." And I'm driving perfectly fine. I'm like, okay. Yeah, the driver too. She does that shit to me all the time. The other day, I don't where where we was coming from, BJ's or probably, Walmart? Probably. And I'm coming down down the street and, and next thing you know, she just presses the brakes like because you like you stop like you do the hard stop and you stop like really close and then I'm like, oh shit, we gonna crash. We're gonna, we gonna crash. <laughs> gonna crash. Mind you, I'm going 25. No, I'm going 25. No. I do the speed limit. The speed limit is not 25. Uh -huh. It's a, it's more. It was 25. Okay. All right. So you're here. You're acclimating. You're learning how to use a cell phone, and you're learning what apps are and all this other stuff, <laughs> right? You're learning that you can play games and go on the internet and watch porn and all this other stuff. You, you could all do it on the phone, right? Uh -huh. So you're acclimating to everyday life. Uh -huh. Um, And you were saying that you, it was hard for you to depend on people, on us, and that that caused a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. And it, it did. What were the tools you used to help you cope with all that? A deep breath. Are you serious? It took all <laughs> deep breaths. Uh, nah, actually, we had that conversation. What? Where I told you and Jay, like, yo, look, like, you know, like, I need, I need the help, like. Oh, I need, they, I need yeah. to go get my license. I need to get my car. I need to get my car on the road because I'm starting to feel like I'm incarcerated. You're like, I need a job. Yeah. I need a car. I need to get out. I need, I need to get out, like, for real, like. You wanted to feel like you had your own life. You still yes. felt a little locked up. Yes. What advice do you give to people who are feeling like that? Take it as day at a time. Like... Because a lot, of, a lot of people who come out, they feel that way. They feel like, well, shit, this is hard being out. I'm not well prepared for this. I might as well just go back and fall into what I was doing before. And then they get locked up again. And it's a whole cycle. 
they got they got to stay strong mentally. Like it, it it was a struggle for me, but I had good people that to help me get through it. You know, a lot of people don't have that. They just gotta be strong mentally. Like they need to manifest what they what they really want in their life. You know, like I'm manifesting it. Like I'm doing great out here. Do you think um, part of releasing, you know, into the real world and stuff like the system should provide like mental health? They do provide mental they health. They do. They do. They they do. Uh, it's not. It's not the type of mental health care that you'll get out here. Most of the time, if you go and request mental health, they're gonna put you on medication. You know, it's very hard for you to go to mental health and say, yo, I just need to talk to somebody, you know, because they're going to say that, oh, now we're going to put you on medication, you know, mm-hmm. just to keep you calm, you know, but you, all you needed to do was talk to somebody. You were stressed out. Mm-hmm. You was going to something, you know, next thing you know, you're walking around like a, like a, a zombie. zombie. You know, I so. mean, not knocking, I'm going to say this, not knocking because drugs help people sometimes. But so, yeah, absolutely, they do. And I'm a strong believer, like, with the mental health medication that they have today, like, if you really have If you really issue, need it, then get then it. go get it. But if you need to talk to somebody, right, they have these counselors in, in, in the Department of Corrections that you could only see twice a year. Mm. You write to them, they don't respond back. So it, it's... They need, they need to work on the system, period. Like, the, that whole system needs a whole overhaul. When I went to therapy, um, when I had Axel, I had to go to therapy and stuff. The first question he asked was, do you want medication? Like, do you need medication? Do you want medication? And I outright said no. Oh, the, the department, <laughs> they don't ask you if you, want, if, if you think that you need medication. They're just going to give you medication. And you got to go take it. If you don't take the medication, then you go into the school. Really? Yeah, you go to special houses. Dang. All right, so you're out. Are you happy? I am. Yeah? I what am. are you most proud of? Yeah? Yeah, graduated. I went back to school, graduated with a certificate in, in, in tool making. Uh, now I'm doing, I'm doing my journeyman certification. I'm good. I'm working for a good company. So when you were here, like when you got here and, you know, you had the first job and stuff like that, and then they fired you because uh-huh. of the background check and stuff, you never thought about falling back into the lifestyle, like it never crossed your mind. Silence means been, everything. It would have been super easy for me to do that, right? Yeah. But I thought about it. But then I told myself I couldn't put my family through the same thing that they've already been through. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not going to have them. I'm not going to subject my son to having to go visit me in prison. I'm not going to subject my daughter to come see me in prison. I'm not going to subject my nephew to come see me in prison. That's not the impression I want to make on the, on, on the kids, on, on our kids, you know. And then it came my mom's, my wife, and everybody else. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to put them through that again. So... You know, I bit the bullet, and I'm glad that I did because I'm where I'm at today. What, um, sorry, Joe. No, go ahead. Um, I wanted to ask you, so what goals are you trying to achieve now in the future? Uh, Take over the world. (laughs) Okay, boy. Legally. (laughs) Take over, take the, over world the world legally, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, no, nah, seriously speaking, uh, right now I'm working towards my journeyman certification. I'm, I'm working as a tool maker uh, for a company. And I'm just trying to see how far I could get. Like, I'm just taking it a day at a time. I don't have no set goals. I don't have a timeline. You know, all I know mm-hmm. is take one step at a time, you know. Mm-hmm. One foot up another, and keep moving. You know, yeah. I understand there's gonna be obstacles in the way. <clears throat> you know, I'm prepared to overcome. Uh, overcome. Um. So your kids, your son, your daughter, your nieces, your nephews, 
What mm-hmm. advice do you give to the jun- to the younger generation? Man, stay focused, man. Like being going to prison is not a rite of passage to become a man, you know, like seriously. You know, get a job, do the right thing, uh think before before you do. Uh, a, a lot of these kids out there they don't think before they do something. For every one of your actions, there's there's going to be a reaction. You know, there's going to be a consequence. Now it's up to you whether you want that consequence to be positive or negative. You know, if you do bad things, you're going to get negative consequences. If you do good things, you're going to get positive consequences. Not all consequences are bad. And what would you tell your younger self? My younger self? Yeah, like, you've been through all this stuff. If you can go back in time and be like, little... Richie, I need to tell you so, something. What would it be? So, the reason why I chose the life that I did was because, like I said, like I said earlier, uh, I was uprooted from my family and friends, not understanding that at the time my family couldn't afford to live where we were living at. If they would have explained that to me, maybe I would have like, all right, my family is struggling. Let me get my working papers and get a job so I could help him. But I had no knowledge because my parents was the type that, you know, the kids were made to be seen, not to be heard. They old school. We don't need to give them an explanation. We just going to do it. You know, and I, th- I thought that was wrong at the time. You know, I realized that now that I was wrong at the time. So I would, I would go and explain that to my younger self. They really need your help. Jess, you got anything else? No. Mm-mm. I think that's really that's a really good advice. Um, to give yourself. And yeah, that's it. That's all I have. And regrets. Regrets. I have no regrets. Don't say that. Bullshit. No regrets. Like, seriously, I, I really don't. You know, uh, I, 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 I'm lying. Yeah. I, I was going to say, because in the last episode, I'm you lying. said you did have I'm regrets. I'm lying. I'm lying. All right? Yeah. Uh, I regret having to put my family and my friends through all the things that I, that, that I put. You know, I regret that. At the same time, if I would have never gone through the things that I that I went through, I won't be who I am today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I regret some things. I don't regret all of them, though. Okay. All right. I, like I made my family suffer. I made my family suffer because of the decisions that I made. I regret that. You know. Uh, That's about the only thing that I could <laughs> that I could say that I, I, I really, really, really regret. Everything else to me has been a lesson learned. And what do you look forward to? Always being able to get back on my feet. Okay. In the future, what do you look forward to? Living Living life, getting old. Life, getting old. I mean you enjoy, have to enjoy freedom. <laughs> I'm not happy with it yet. Oh, okay. All right. Jesse, you have any bonchincha while we're here or no? Mm, I have no bonchincha until our next episode. Okay. So we're going to... it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a well, good time. They, yeah, it's a good time. Um, Richie, do you have any questions for us? Nah, I'm good. Maybe <laughs> next time. Okay. <laughs> he just flashed me his phone like, bitch, it's 9 o'clock. I need to go. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah, you did. I did. <laughs> All right. Well, then, so then we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, Richie, for coming on here and telling us your story. You feel relieved? This was a great therapy session for you. I and mean, you got it for free. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> 
We didn't give you. We didn't give you drugs, but you know. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. So next time, you guys will be. So this episode was a very special episode. Very special episode. So please make sure to like, subscribe, do all that. Next time it'll be a normal episode where we talk. About our week and bochinche. And- we'll be back to the norm because for the last two episodes we've had guest and after guest. So, and then the next episode we'll be back to me and Joe to um talking bochinche and all that stuff. And then that following episode we're gonna do a a, a live episode because a live episode baseball wise. Baseball Wives live episode because Joe and Jasmine are going to come and visit me in North Carolina. Yes. So we'll do a special live episode then. So I'm Jess. And I'm JoJo. And this is Claro Que Ya podcast. Bye.